Good morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we want to pray a special blessing on all the dads who are here, all of our fathers. Uh, God, we just thank you for putting those men um, in our lives. Father, we just pray that you will bless them in many rich ways. Father, we also are very mindful of the group that's in Houston right now. Father, we know that, that they're excited. Father, we know that they have done hours and hours of preparation just for this week. And Father, we just pray that your name will be glorified because of what is done in that place. And Father, bring them back safely to us, but also bring them back um, with new energy and new excitement and help that uh, to filter in to the rest of us, Father, so that we too can, can catch uh, the emotions that they have, the excitement that they have, and just help this to to be a time that, Father, energizes this entire church. Father, be with us today. Father, help us as we look at another of Jesus' parables of his stories. Just help us to be people who not only hear his words, but we also put them into our lives. We are doers of his word. And Father, today's lesson has many hard sayings in it. Father, help us not to be resistant to that, but help us to see that those hard sayings are said so that we can apply them in our lives so that we can live the lives of disciples you would have us to live. And Father, we pray this through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So today we are going to continue listening to Jesus' kingdom stories. Throughout this summer, we're going to listen to parables that Jesus told. We're going to listen to these stories that Jesus told, the parables that describe what his kingdom is all about the stories that illustrate what it looks like to be a citizen in Jesus' kingdom. These are parables that invite us into Jesus' kingdom. And like last week, today, we're going to place ourselves in the middle of a large crowd. We'll be in the middle of a large crowd listening to Jesus. And like most crowds, this crowd is made up of people of all different kinds of backgrounds, all different life stories, all kinds of different life experiences. And our crowd is certainly filled with people who have very different opinions about this man, Jesus. Let me go ahead and describe some of the people in this crowd and some of the different opinions that they have about Jesus. And as I do that, I want us all to find our place in this crowd, find out which group we belong to, which group describes our reaction to Jesus Christ. Our first group in this crowd that we want to talk about is the hostile group. These people are outwardly and openly religious, but they're also increasingly openly and outwardly opposed to Jesus. They're opposed to Jesus because he's been openly and outwardly challenging their authority. So the hostile group is here in this crowd to keep an eye on Jesus. The second group that's in our crowd is the curious group. You know, Jesus has become kind of the in thing. He's gaining a reputation. There's a buzz about him. And the curious group is here to see for themselves what the fuss is all about. The third group in our crowd today is the one foot in group. They haven't shown up just for this day. They've been around for a while and they're intrigued by Jesus. They're intrigued by Jesus, but they aren't sure if they're ready to go all in with Jesus. So they're here in the crowd trying to make up their minds. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus will do something. Or maybe Jesus will say something that will make it clear whether they should jump in with both feet 
or whether they should just walk away. And the fourth and final group in our crowd here today is the true believers group. This group is all in. They've been persuaded by Jesus' teachings. They've been persuaded by Jesus' mighty acts. They're convinced that he is who he says he is. He is the chosen one. He is the new David. And they're here in this crowd because they are followers. And they are determined and they're ready to follow Jesus wherever he goes. Or at least they think they are ready. So have you found your group? Have you identified which group you are a member of? You might be a little nervous, but don't worry. I'm not going to make you raise your hand and tell me which group you're in. I'm not going to make you move around and join your group. But if I did, the one-foot-in group would definitely be in the middle because that's where they belong. Uh, But we're not going to do that. And really, if you're part of the hostile group, and I seriously doubt if anybody here is in the hostile group, but if you are, I want you to know that you can just sit back and relax today because Jesus isn't going to be speaking to you. Jesus is going to be speaking to the rest of us, the other three groups, the curious, the one foot in, and the true believers. He's going to talk to the rest of us, and he's going to talk to us, and he's going to challenge us. He's going to challenge all of us. So now I am going to ask you for a show of hands. How many people here in the audience today have read or at least seen one of those books that has a title along the lines of The Hard Sayings of Jesus. How many people have seen or heard of those kind of books? There are a lot of them that are out there. They're books that address the things that Jesus said that are hard to understand. Or more frequently, the things that Jesus said that are hard for us to accept. And you need to know up front that today, pretty much everything that Jesus says to us is something that can be classified as a hard saying of Jesus. Everything that Jesus says today is a hard saying. We're going to hear Jesus tell us hard truths about his kingdom. We're going to hear him speak about the severe reality of living as a citizen in his kingdom. And as we listen to Jesus, we'll see that the severity of some of his statements have frequently been underestimated, underestimated by those who have heard these words, while the severity of other statements that we're going to hear Jesus say has often been overestimated. In other words, some of Jesus' statements we're going to hear are harder than they might first appear. And others are not as hard as they might first appear. But let's make no mistake, all of these statements are hard truths about living in Jesus' kingdom. So as we get ready to listen today, we need to make sure that we understand that Jesus' words today are for everyone who is even considering being a Christ follower. Jesus' words aren't reserved for, they're not directed only to a group of super-Christians. Jesus isn't setting a standard for a select group of hardcore followers who are among us. No, what Jesus is doing is he's telling us words that are for all who will follow. They're standards for all who choose to call themselves Christians. So let's all listen. All of us who are curious... All of us who just have one foot in and all of us who consider ourselves to be true believers, let's all listen to what Jesus has to say to us today. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus turned to the crowd and he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother 
his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus doesn't beat around the bush, does he? That's quite an introduction. Imagine what it must have been like. We're all walking along with Jesus, and then he stops and he turns, and the first words out of his mouth are, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father. So much for Father's Day, right? That's a hard saying. I don't care which group you're in. The statements that Jesus leads off with right here are abrupt. They're jarring. They're hard. They even sound severe. He says, you can't be my disciple unless you hate your family. You can't be your disciple, can't be my disciple unless you hate your own life. Maybe in the crowd you can feel some of that curiosity waning. Maybe you can see some of those one feet that are in starting to pull back. Maybe you can see that the true belief that some have is starting to slip a little. See, Jesus' call to hate family and his call to hate our own lives is hard. It is difficult. It is severe. But we shouldn't overestimate just how severe it is. See, we're people who, when we hear the words love and hate, we almost always think of emotions. We almost always think about how we feel about someone or how we feel about something. And these statements seem really hard because we are people who overwhelmingly love our families. And if Jesus' demand is that we can only follow him if we feel hatred for our families, if his demand is that we can only follow him if we feel hatred for our own lives, then I suspect that most of us in this crowd are going to move from curious or one foot in or from true believers to hostile But that, fortunately, is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't talking about how we feel. Instead, he's talking about how committed we are, how committed we are to him. Jesus is referring to a commitment. He's not referring to an emotion. He's calling on us to choose him, to commit to him over everything and over everyone else. Matthew, in his account, helps us understand a little bit better. He records Jesus' this way in his 10th chapter. He says, Anyone who loves his father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And that demand is hard enough. See, Jesus is saying that we must be committed to him more than we are committed to our families. And that's a hard demand because we are people who are deeply and strongly committed to our families. And we also need to understand that Jesus isn't demanding that we lessen our commitments to our families. Instead, what he's demanding is that our commitments to him, our commitments to Jesus dwarf, overshadow our commitments. Our commitments to everything, including our families. So whether we are curious about following Jesus, or whether we just have one foot in, or whether we are true believers, we have to wrestle with some questions that Jesus raises here, a question that he's asking all of us. We have to ask ourselves, is our commitment, is my commitment to following Jesus so great that our commitment, that my commitment to everything else, to everyone else, looks like hate? 
in comparison? Are we prepared to follow Jesus even if our families won't go with us? Are we prepared to follow Jesus even if our families turn back? We also have to talk about what Jesus said about crosses. Jesus called on us to carry our crosses and follow him. And his call for us to carry our crosses and follow him is also a severe demand. And this is a demand from Jesus that we often underestimate. See, in our first century crowd that we're standing in, we'd all be familiar with crosses. And we wouldn't think of crosses as jewelry or things that we hang on the wall. We would know that a cross was an instrument of the Roman government. An instrument of the Roman government that had some specific purposes. See, they used crosses to bring public shame, public humiliation to people. They used crosses for public executions of people. And we would know that picking up and carrying a cross was something that a condemned person was forced to do. They were forced to carry their own cross, carry it to the place where they would be killed. See, Jesus isn't talking about life's burdens. Jesus isn't talking about holding up under the strains of a difficult relationship. He's not talking about the burdens of having a long-term illness. Those are significant burdens that need to be carried, but they're not crosses to be carried. See, Jesus is talking about death. Jesus is talking about humiliation. Jesus wants to know if the curious are willing to suffer humiliation and risk death so that they can follow him. He wants to know if those of us with one foot in can handle the public humiliation and the threat of public execution that might happen if we choose to follow him. And he wants to know if those of us who call ourselves true believers believe enough to accept being humiliated and accept being killed because of him. So all of us here in this crowd need to grapple with the question, Would we continue to carry the cross if we were faced with martyrdom? Would we continue to carry the cross or would we lay down the cross and simply walk away? And to drive these hard sayings home, Jesus then tells two little stories, two short parables. And they're both about counting the cost. Both ask the question, how much? How much are you willing to pay? The first story is about a tower. It's about building a tower. We read it in verse 28 where Jesus said, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish So Jesus uses a common sense example. The common sense example that he wants to know is, do you have enough? Do you have what it takes to finish what you've started? The picture that you see up on the screen, it's of an unfinished highway project in South Africa. When construction on this project first stopped, the official explanation from the government was, we wanted to take it to this point, and when enough funds become available, we'll complete, we'll finish the project. That was the official explanation, and that came 40 years ago. 
And as you might expect, the government in South Africa has been ridiculed for over 40 years because they didn't accurately estimate the cost, the cost it would take to complete the project. And like the South African government, we are people who have a tendency to underestimate the cost. Only we tend to underestimate the cost of following Jesus. And one of the reasons why we underestimate the cost of following Jesus is because, frankly, most of us live in a time and most of us live in a place where it really doesn't cost that much to follow Jesus. But Jesus is calling on all of us in this crowd to consider the future cost of following him. He's calling on us to factor in the ongoing cost of following him. And Jesus wants us to know that our future may be very different than our present. Because it may be very different, we need to count the cost of surrendering every area of our lives throughout our entire lives. Jesus is illustrating the truth that you shouldn't start the journey with him unless you're paid to pay the price it takes to finish with him. And we need to know it might cost us everything. It might cost us our family. It might cost us our lives. So all of us here in this crowd need to wrestle with this question. Would we continue to follow Jesus if we know that it would cost us everything. We need to wrestle with that question because it might just cost us everything. But that's not the only cost we need to consider. There's another cost we must all consider. And Jesus, Jesus addresses this cost by telling another kingdom story, another short parable. In verse 31, Jesus continues and says, Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? And if he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. And when Jesus tells this little story, he moves from asking us if we have counted the cost of following him He moves to asking us and challenging us to consider the cost of not following him. Jesus tells this little war story. And as he tells it, he isn't illustrating a negotiation among equals. See, one king knows he has no chance. One king knows that all a fight will accomplish is the great loss of life among his army. So what he does is he takes the wise course of action. He he unconditionally surrenders to the more powerful king. The weak king sat down and counted the cost of fighting against the strong king and unconditionally surrendered. Unfortunately, we have a tendency to minimize the cost, minimize the cost of refusing to surrender everything to our king. I know I'm guilty of it. I know many of us are guilty of it. We like to talk about the benefits of choosing to follow our King Jesus. But we're often silent about the horrible loss of life. We're often silent about the horrible loss of eternal life for those who refuse to surrender everything to Jesus. The horrible loss of eternal life for those who choose to continue to battle against Jesus and against his will. 
So we all, all of us in this crowd need to ask ourselves this question. Would we withhold anything from Jesus if we knew and if we truly believe that withholding anything from Jesus would cost us everything? Cost us our lives for eternity. And to make sure that we understand the magnitude of the surrender that Jesus is demanding of his followers, Jesus concludes his little sermon this way. Imagine Jesus looking over the crowd, locking eyes with various people, various people in the curious group, various people in the one-foot-in group, and various people in the true believers group. And as he looks across the crowd, he says, and in the same way, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. I don't want you to misread Jesus like many have misread Jesus. He here isn't demanding that everybody take a vow of poverty. This is not a call for us to all take a vow of poverty. Unless, unless it is our physical possessions that is keeping us from being able to follow Jesus. But we also shouldn't misread Jesus and think that he isn't being demanding. He isn't being forceful because he is being demanding and he is being forceful. Jesus is demanding that any of us who commit to being his follower will have to renounce. We'll have to give up control of everything in our lives by unconditionally surrendering them to him. So we, all of us, the curious group, the one-foot-in group, the true believers group, all of us must confront these questions. And we must confront these questions today and every single day. We must ask ourselves, will we today and every day choose Jesus over everything and everyone else? We must ask ourselves today and every day, Will we count the cost of following Jesus? And will we recognize that it might just cost us everything? Everything in this life, including our own lives. And will we today and every day, will we count the cost of not following Jesus? And will we recognize that it will cost us everything in the next life if we don't follow Jesus? And finally, today and every day, will we ask ourselves this question? Are we willing to unconditionally surrender everything to Jesus? As we end, I want to reassure this crowd that Jesus wasn't trying to scare people away. And I'm not trying to scare people away today either. But he did want, and I do want, that everyone in the crowd understand that following him is demanding. Following him does come at a cost. And Jesus wants everyone in this crowd, and I want everyone in this crowd, to understand also that not following him comes at an even greater cost. Jesus wants to know, are we prepared to pay the price to be his follower And Jesus wants to know, what price are we willing to pay if we choose not to follow? In just a minute, we're going to close by singing the song, 
that has the title, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I don't know how many of you know the background of this song, but the words of this song are based on the last words of a man in India, a man who in the 1800s, along with his entire family, was converted to Christianity. He became a Christian. Well, the village leaders came to him and his family and demanded that they renounce their faith. And this man didn't lay down his cross. Instead, he declared, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then threats were made to his family. And the man said, though no one joins me, still I will follow And then his wife was killed, and he was about to be executed, and he was heard to say this. The cross is before me, the world is behind me, and there is no turning back. And those words became this song. And this song reminds the curious among us of what following Jesus is all about. We have to stop and count the cost, because following Jesus may cost us everything in this life. But staying merely curious, staying merely curious and not following, that will cost us everything in the next life. And how about for those of us who just have one foot in? This song reminds us that we can't continue this way. We can't keep on this way. When we try to follow Jesus with one foot in and we try to follow the world with the other foot that's out, what happens is we just go in circles or we fall flat on our face. We can only go where Jesus wants to take us if we have both feet in. And for those of us who have placed ourselves in the true believer group, this song is a call to ask ourselves if we really are all in. To ask ourselves, if called to, can we really give up everything? Have we really surrendered everything to Jesus? Because for Jesus' followers, there is no turning back. These are hard sayings of Jesus. And as we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to do some hard things. If you're here in this crowd because you're curious, but you're not yet ready to follow Jesus, that means you have questions. It means you have questions about Jesus. It means you have questions about his kingdom. It means you have questions about what it means to follow him. I want you to know that we want to hear your questions and we want to help you find the answers to your questions. And if you are here and you only have one foot in, you only have one foot in, but you know that you're ready to take another step towards Jesus, I want you to know we want to help you take that next step. And if you're here and you find that you are no longer truly carrying your cross, We want to help you recapture your resolve to follow Jesus without turning back. So as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to ask your questions. I want to encourage you to to take that step forward. I want to encourage you to pick up your cross. And we want to help. So you can ask your questions. You can take your step. You can pick up your cross in a few different ways. While we sing the song, you can walk to the front and you can let us know what your questions are, what step you're wanting to take, or the fact that you need help picking up your cross. If you'd rather, while we're singing the song, you can make your way to the back, ask for directions to room 104. A couple of our elders will be in that room. They would love to hear your questions. 
They would love to help you take the next step. They would love to help you pick up your cross. Or you can do something else. Those green cards that we talked about for prayer requests, you can put your name and your phone number on there, and you can simply put, I have a question, or I want to take a step, or I want to pick up my cross. Drop that in one of the boxes, and I will call you on Monday, and we'll help you with your questions. We'll help you with your step, and we'll help you pick up your cross. Whatever your needs are, won't you let us know while we stand and while we sing this song. Sing.